0: We're back again for another episode, and I'm just really excited to have another parent on the podcast today talking about their experiences. Are you in the diagnosis process right now? And that process is really long and extended. Maybe you're in the stages of first concerns or maybe you're even post-diagnosis and you're saying now what and what we're going to talk today about is how this is an emotional process and creating space for those emotions is super super important and we're just going to talk about it in a way to normalize these emotions and also talk about how that healing process can start to begin and follows getting an autism diagnosis. So, we have autism mom Chelsea Farmer sharing her story. I've had the honor and privilege in connecting with Chelsea through a mutual friend, and I haven't known her through her whole autism journey. But in the short bit that I have, it's been beautiful to watch her grow and evolve through her son's diagnosis. She shares very openly on her social media. So we're going to discuss today some of her early concerns that you as a parent might be having too. We're going to walk through that diagnosis process. Often I hear parents asking, like, what do I expect? And not only in terms of logistics, but what do I expect in terms of how this is going to feel? What this is going to be like? And then we're going to talk about her healing and acceptance journey that followed. Chelsea is just one of these people that is... So willing to share openly and remind others that they are not alone in this journey. And even before we pressed record, she was like, I wish I would have had a conversation like this to listen to as I was going through it. And so she's going to give us the honor today in sharing her journey. And I'm just so blessed to have her here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm Dr. Tay, a licensed child psychologist and parental mindset coach specializing in autism. I have supported hundreds of autistic children and their families, and have been in the autism field for over a decade. I'm the host of Evolve, the podcast where we have real conversations that are designed for autism parents just like you. Each week, we will discuss topics that directly impact your life, from providing psychoeducation about autism and neurodiversity, to talking about your personal growth, well-being, and evolution as a parent we dive into it all. Just keep in mind, nothing shared on this podcast is clinical advice and you should consult with a medical or mental health provider if you need support. Now let's get talking with Chelsea. So, so excited you're here and thank you again for doing this.
1: Yes, thank you. So excited to be here as well.
0: I know some of the backstory, but for the
1: listeners, tell us a little bit about your family. Yep. So we like to refer to ourselves as the farmer zoo. (laughs) So I have been married to my husband, Ian, now for almost 12 years. We live right outside of Seattle. We have two boys that are 13 months apart. Nolan, who is seven and a half, diagnosed on the autism spectrum. And we have a couple other diagnoses as well. And then his little brother, Max, he is almost six and a half. And they are so opposite. Well, family dog. And I mention this because I
0: I see your dog on Instagram stories all the time.
1: (laughs) Yes. Oh, Charlie. We actually, when the boys were both born, we had two basset hounds. So those were kind of our two babies before boys. But now we have Charlie and he's actually sleeping right down beside my seat. So yes,
0: we're not boring over here. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. So one of the things that I like to do is talk about language a little bit. So how do you talk about autism in your household? Is this something Nolan is familiar
1: with? Walk us through that. So I feel like we're just kind of entering that stage more so because Nolan, and maybe you can help me here. I don't even know like the proper medical terminology, but... Nolan has words, and we actually just got approved for an AAC device to help empower him with his communicating. He has words, but he also has receptive and expressive language disorder. And Max, now that he's becoming more aware and curious, like he's asking questions. So Nolan doesn't quite, I don't think he's starting to realize like, oh, I don't, talk like the other kids and i'm in a smaller classroom and i i push into gen ed sometimes so it's interesting because max has brought up the word autism recently and i'm like oh shit excuse me i believe in jolt words but it's one of those things where like you think you're going to be prepared to talk to both nolan and then obviously his sibling about it because it's not a bad thing it's a different thing and I, I just kind of take it as it comes and, and Max knows that Nolan's brain is wired differently and sometimes he has a hard time and he doesn't always express how he feels through words and that's okay. Yeah. yeah, and I think it can be interesting to
0: navigate, but one of the things that I'll point out is Max is absorbing and Nolan is absorbing things too. So he's heard the word autism. And this is where one of my suggestions to parents is just start talking about it because they're hearing it anyway. And the more that we can be the ones leading the conversation, helping them to build that awareness and that acceptance, then there's less questions and it's more normalized in the family. And then also as they're going out into the world as well. But I, I just want to emphasize this because I love how you described it. And it is spot on the language I would recommend is that Nolan's brain thinks differently. And one of the things you can say is he has autism and say, do you have any questions about that? And also letting Max lead that conversation for what he's ready to learn and take in. He doesn't need to understand why nolan is diagnosed (laughs) so i think asking those questions about what he's curious in and then that open conversation helps to normalize it
1: we went to a birthday party recently at like a pump it up place and it was for a little girl in nolan's sensory class and i'll talk about that a little bit later but max was also included to come and he made a comment to one of the dad. They heard him. He said, look, I have autism like my brother. And he started happy flapping. And so I think, again, it's OK to talk about those things. And one thing that I have to remind myself with Nolan, too, is even though I can't have a full on conversation with him and he maybe doesn't have the word capability as max, like he's not deaf. And like you said, he can hear And he absorbs and we've also learned recently that you can ask him a question today and he's just kind of looking there and he'll answer it a week later without you even having to bring it up. So I think that that's an important thing that I want to note too is don't underestimate their ability to listen and comprehend, even if you have the expressive and receptive and all of these diagnoses. Oh, so, so good. And yeah,
0: sometimes what we see is just that processing time. Yes. It's extended, but they're still absolutely processing. And so this is such an important point. And real quick, I do want to define, just in case parents are new to some of this language, what an AAC device is. Oh, yes. So, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's an augmentative and alternative communication device. And so what it's meant to do, it sometimes is on an iPad, but then sometimes it's on a separate device. There's so many different versions. But it's meant to literally expressively communicate for the child. So you can press buttons and it will speak. And this is the thing is like, it is absolutely a form of communication. And talking about neurodiversity on this podcast and all of that is like, we live in this neurotypical world. And we often can go to, we. that's not how people communicate. And it's like, we just need to expand our acceptance of that. If that is the way your child communicates, like how freaking beautiful that they're going to be able to finally get all the words in their head out to you. And yeah, so I just thought I'd define that. So what has that journey of even getting an AAC
1: device been like? So it's brand new to us and I encourage Parents that are watching this or caregivers, do a quick Google search, inform yourself about it, because it was something that I didn't learn about until just probably two years ago. And then even then, I'm like, oh, well, Nolan has word. Like he probably doesn't need that. But here I was thinking, like, oh, this might hinder him. But all studies show that it just gives him like another way to communicate. And so When I asked about it with his school SLP at the beginning of this year, I got the runaround a bit. And so I just encourage you, if you are sent a 20-page questionnaire that paralyzes you, just know that's normal. And like Dr. Tay was saying, allow yourself a little bit of time to process, but also don't be afraid to push back and be like, hey, I'm having a little hard time with this because with the AAC device... It's not an easy thing to get. And while some insurance covers it, you're kind of sent through some hoops. And it takes a lot of work and advocating. And you don't have to come in like a bulldog, but explain why you want them to have it. So I got a little bit of runaround with the school. So I'm like, I'm a doer. I'm like, I don't have time to do this runaround. So what other resources can I leverage? Who else can help me with this? While they figure out if they want to grant Nolan access to the school device. So I went to our pediatrician and he's like, I don't know a whole lot about it. We just go to a general pediatric office and he's like, I'm willing to help you. Let me know what you need me to write you script wise. He's like, go to Seattle Children's. Let's make sure you have your reestablished care with the autism center. And so went there and they kind of gave us the rundown. Like, here's probably how it's going to go. You're going to get contacted by this person and this person and got immediate calls from like three people. And then they needed to do an SLP evaluation. And again, we're four years into our autism diagnosis journey now. And had this happened probably during year one, I probably would have thrown my hands up in the air because I would have been overwhelmed. But I feel like now that I'm like, okay, it, it's going to take a little bit more energy and effort. Like that's okay. Yeah. Another evaluation and more paperwork. And, Again, I think that that's one thing for me as an autism mom or special needs mom is like the paperwork and some of the questions that you're asked. And I know in recent paperwork that I've had to fill out, it's like, is your child like the words odd are in there and just like triggering words where you're like, shit. And it's hard. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. So I'm still waiting on an eval call back from seattle children's autism it's probably been three weeks so it's probably time for me to follow up with an email and out of the blue a few weeks ago we get an email from nolan's teacher who nolan's in the sensory program public school but receives special services he's on an iep and his teacher this year she's new she's an autism mom as well And her son's 18. He's a senior in high school now. And we get an email from her because I was like, Hey, AAC, I really want this for him. Like, what can you help me do? So we get this email and she's like, I have Nolan's AAC device. Let me know when you want to set up a meeting with the representative from the district to get it set up. So, long story long, don't give up. Don't be paralyzed by the paperwork. Don't take like, well, I don't know if this is a good fit. If you feel in your gut that your child at least deserves a trial with something, or you just don't give up because you never know who's in your corner helping you behind the scenes without saying, like, I'm helping you behind the scene. Yeah. Oh, that was, that was literally three weeks ago. We were just on w- midwinter break and Nolan's pretty good on devices and he can spell pretty well so I think he's gonna pick up the hang of it really well but it was pretty cool to be able to walk into the meeting where we're getting it set up and again I'm one who researches all the things and like I want to be resourceful and the lady she was so sweet she's like how much do you know about AAC devices And I was like well <laughs> and she just commended us on like putting in the work on our end so that when we got to that place, they don't expect you to know everything. But I feel like you're taken a little bit more seriously if you can speak to the things you're asking for factually and kind of take the emotion out of it. So, But Uh, I think you made a really good point, though,
0: is there are moments of paralysis. There are moments that are really hard or sometimes seeing these triggering words. Unfortunately, a lot of the questionnaires were developed Many, many years ago, and haven't caught up with neurodiversity and all of that. And it feels like scratching in an old wound sometime. And those emotions coming up are so normal. So I love how you balance that. That was the realness of this. And it's like, okay, process through that. And we're going to dive more into this, but process through that. And then just be your kid's champion. You yeah. know were saying doer, but like, you you do not give up. And I will say over the last year of watching you, and I know this again has been a journey, but I feel like you've gotten even more confident in your ability to advocate. And it's just, it's been beautiful to watch. But if you're a parent sure. that's new to this, just know you might not feel comfortable right away, but it's a mm-hmm. skill that can grow.
1: And you really grow through what you're going through. And I'm sure someone is going to be able to relate to exactly what I'm about to say, but I'm type A. I'm a list person. I like to fix things. I like to problem solve. And when you get that autism diagnosis, you're like, okay, what's next? Like, what do we do next? How do we fix this? And I think that I've really grown as just a human in general. Like it tumbled me. It's like, there's nothing to be fixed. You know, it's just empowering and making sure we have the resources and and support to make sure Nolan's in an environment where he doesn't have to 100% always be in survival mode, but like he can be in thrive mode too. So that's been hard for me. It's taken a long time, but we're getting there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so beautiful. So let's take a step back and rewind
0: to the start of this journey. What were some of your early concerns, and how
1: did the diagnosis process start? Autism was not on my radar. It was not on my radar. The boys are 13 months apart. Back then, Ian traveled a ton. My husband, he's in corporate events. And so I was on my own a lot. My family lived in California. So I feel like I was always trying to keep myself busy. And I had this one brave friend who, to this day, I still thank her through and through. We'd meet up for playdates and she'd be like, how's it going with Nolan? Because he didn't have words and he was nearly two and a half. But he was happy. He was healthy. He slept good. We didn't have eating problems. It was the words and the talking. And so we'd go to our regular checkup doctor's appointments and my pediatrician. We've probably educated her a lot on autism now, but... We heard the boys develop later. He's happy. He's healthy. Like, it's fine. Let's wait it out. And finally, my friend, she was like, I think you might want to ask for a second opinion. Like, just get like a speech evaluation or something. And she was just trying to tread lightly. And so I remember going into the next appointment to our pediatrician. I was like, can we just go to a second opinion? Something is just off. And she was like, I think he's okay. He's, and I was like, no, I just, I like really feeling my gut. I would just love like safe rather than sorry. Because again, I wanted to be proactive. And so again, thinking like, oh, there might be something wrong with his voice box. And so we get to the next step of the evaluation and my husband didn't go with me and my mom went with me. And that's the first time I had ever heard the word autism. So and the, while they, the speech I, therapist brought autism? It was was a whole team of people. They were giving him like a a developmentally delayed diagnosis and like, here's what we're seeing, speech, OT, all of those things. And so they just said he also is showing, I don't know the terminology they used, but signs that point to autism. And we really encourage you to schedule a a follow-up to get a full assessment. And I was like, what? I just came here to figure out why my child's not talking, and so I think Chelsea, Mom, back then, compared to now, it's like, we're so afraid of these labels for our kids or these diagnoses, because you don't want to single your child out, or you don't want to categorize them. But I I wish someone back then would have said, like, "This is not a death sentence. This does not change your child." This truly just gives you, this empowers you. These diagnoses empower you to help set him up for success. And like I said, just thrive in his everyday life. And he wouldn't have been able to go to ABA therapy and get services and go to speech. And so these were just things that I was so scared of the label that we almost didn't go to the diagnosing appointment. Wow. Yeah. And I always
0: say that this diagnosis, one, the child that walks into that evaluation is the same identical child that walks out of that evaluation. You just maybe have more clarity of what's going on. More information. Yeah. And a diagnosis is literally a roadmap to know then how to start supporting your child and expand your mind too that brains do think differently and different doesn't, again, you said it so beautifully earlier, doesn't mean that some fix is needed, but what supports are needed to be put into place? How can we educate ourselves? How can we make sure, too, that we're we're noticing autistic children's communication and their ways of entering your world? Because it doesn't fit our neurotypical standards, but those attempts and those desires are absolutely still there. So. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. So really quick, you I heard you say fear because I just want to highlight some of the emotions. Yes. What I was else? So scared. So scared. Yeah. And what else came up for you when this eval team mentioned the word autism? And then talk us through a little bit of that process and getting yourself to actually go to the diagnostic evaluation appointment.
1: In addition to fear, again, just like very caught off guard. And again, this is four and a half, five years ago. And so yes, social media on Instagram and sharing and people being influencers and my algorithm wasn't pushing autism stuff in my explore page, you know? And so I was, I just felt scared. I felt alone. I felt like I was carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders because as a mom, like you're not going to fail your child. And so I wanted to go into fix it mode and I wanted to do everything that I could and I wish someone would have also said like take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. You're going to figure it out. You're going to be doing enough. Seasons are going to change and so I just I felt like I was so anxious to just like get the next thing checked off the list and what next? And now what do we do? And so we made the appointment with Seattle Children's Autism, and I called around to a couple other different places in the area, and everyone had wait lists to get in, and it felt so defeating. It was so frustrating, so that just really fueled the fear and the, like, I'm not doing enough as a parent, and by this time, since he had already received his developmentally delayed, do you call that a diagnosis, I guess? Yeah. I learned that, so he had just turned three. I learned that our school district had early intervention services. I had no idea about that program. And so even though we didn't have the autism diagnosis and all of those answers, we were able to get him in to start serving his needs. I wouldn't have known that any of this was available. I had no idea. And it's really eye-opening to me, even to this day, four years later, where social media is so prominent with helping parents, just with all the things. How many moms still don't know those things exist? So I encourage you, maybe you're on the wait list to get a diagnosis. Contact your school district. It's like three years old, and they'll bring you in for an evaluation and help you. Yeah, it's based on the IDEA
0: Act, which is a federal law that basically says that we have to meet the educational needs of all children. And so it that transition point before three, you're in usually what's called the Birth to Three program, early intervention, and then you transition over to the school district at that
1: point. And I think we we were a part of that, like two months of in-home therapy. It was like one hour a week where they're really Trying to help you as the parent learn how to play with your child and that sort of thing. So. Absolutely. So walking into that appointment,
0: this is a two-parter. One, were you like, I'm just waiting for them to tell me it's not autism or had you come around? And then when you heard the word autism, what was that
1: like for you? So I think I should preface and just state the elephant in the room. I went to that appointment by myself as well. And I guess I still didn't really quite know what I was going to get from it. And I think I knew deep down, but it was one of those things where it's like, you don't want your child to have to work extra harder or you don't want everything to be a challenge for them. It was like snowing in Seattle. Like, maybe it's not safe to drive. And they called me two days before the appointment and was like, oh, we have a opening. And so I feel like I it all happened so fast, even though it took so long. It happened so fast, too, that I feel like I kind of blacked out when I heard, like, your child has autism. And I was handed this, like, what to do in the next hundred days. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. pamphlet. Yeah. And I got the diagnosis from a middle-aged Caucasian male who showed no emotion and just painting the picture from what I experienced. I'm sure there are middle-aged Caucasian males that that are pediatrician, like love him dearly. But I just, I was by myself with my son. I'd gotten the diagnosis and I got this pamphlet and it was just like so literal. And I remember coming home and... Like, I didn't make it far from the couch for a couple of days. I was just like, what just happened? What do I do now? I was so overwhelmed by what to do in the next 100 days. And I wish someone could have just said, going to be okay. Like, if you don't follow this step-by-step guide of what to do in the next 100 days, that's okay. You yeah. do what's going to be best for Not only your child, but what's best for you, too, because you're a part of this equation as well. Yeah, absolutely. And my guess is
0: this provider didn't warn you all the emotions that were going to come up with receiving the diagnosis. Zero. Yeah, yeah. And I talked with a lot of parents, and their experience can really, really vary. And I just think, I want to say, you're going to have so many emotions in this process. When I'm doing diagnostic evaluations, I very much talk about that as part of the feedback session. If I am saying the word autism, we're going to talk about your processing, your emotions, the thoughts that are going to come up because you're human, right? And I, I say it can be analogous to the process of grief. And it's yep. not that you've lost someone. You're not losing no. your child through this, but the stages of grief, there can be anger, there can be sadness, there can be denial. All of that, and what it is, is you—you had to shift your expectation. Every parent, when the baby is put in your arms, imagines what their life is going to be like. Like our brains, just as humans, do this, and then getting the diagnosis, you start to then be like, "Well, what if it's not like this?" And that is part of the process. And so, I just really, really want to emphasize that: that if your provider doesn't say that, this is so incredibly normal, and I'll be honest, on my side of developing services, having my own private practice, I get to do what I want to do. And this is one of the reasons I actually do a full diagnostic evaluation feedback. We walk through everything. We walk through recommendations. Then you're going to get the report. And as part of that report, I send a video message re-going over the recommendations
1: because you're not taking anything in. And that was another thing, too. While well, Ian wasn't there in person, like obviously he wanted to know what was said. But, and I was like, I don't know. I don't remember. I yeah. literally like blacked out. Yeah. Here's Ex- the
0: paperwork. <laughs> exactly. And that, again, it's like your brain is just trying to process all of this. And yeah. And I actually then have started adding in, and it's one of my favorite things I do a two week follow up after that diagnosis, being like, let's check in. How are you doing? what what's coming up because you leave that appointment and the traditional medical model you're done usually with your provider at that point you have a million questions are your king so i'm sure you went back to ian you're trying to communicate this and then he's asking all these questions you're like i have no freaking clue
1: and i also feel like he was asking the questions to obviously get the factual data and like what do we do how can i help and i'm just like why are you questioning me? I took it very personally. And looking back, like, it's important to go at it as a team. And while that may not always happen, just know that. And my husband is not the most emotional human either. But like, he has a different way of processing. And I'm a verbal processor. I want to talk about it. I want to make a plan. And that's not him and so I didn't give him I feel like that credit I'm like oh you just don't want to be a part of this and it wasn't that at all and I feel like it hasn't been until just the last year where I took myself to therapy Mm -hmm. (laughs) to really work to process everything that it's not okay for me to just plug full force ahead and be Nolan's advocate like he needs to be a part of at least like being invited to the doctor's appointments or being cc'd on the emails. And even if I am the primary person who helps us navigate it all, like I can't imagine how I would feel if I was just excluded because you don't show a lot of emotion. So yeah. Yeah. And I think that's such an
0: important point that if you have a partner in this process or even extended family member, everyone's going to process this in different ways. Different emotions are going to pop up at different times. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, why aren't you feeling this? And the hard, hard reality about autism is we do know that there is a really increased rate of divorce. It's as high as 85%. And I know so why. <laughs> yeah. There's so much stress. And also you're learning how to recommunicate. You're learning how to take this this process and pair it together and all of that plus then still find time for
1: your relationship in this too i think i want to just touch on really briefly to stress i'm sure this will sit with someone too but even if you're like i don't feel stressed like your body your nervous system it it really gets impacted so in addition to the diagnosis and you start to like understand your child a little bit more and maybe you join Tay's support group or you find like an autism mom influencer that you start following on social media, your stressors may be different than someone else's. And I talk about Nolan not having as many words and there was a point in time and actually this these behaviors are just resurfacing. Nolan is an eloper. He had no sense of safety. And so there was a point in time where the stress was like, he's going to get hit by a car. He's going to get hit by a bus. When we send him to school, are they watching him close enough? Ian, when you take him out, are you holding his hand? And so I just encourage you to be realistic about like, what is that stress and how serious is it? And while you can't control everything, like you have to do your best to keep yourself regulated because my body stalked on me. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because I
1: was so stressed out and worried about things that I just couldn't control.
0: Right. And I feel like this is an important part of your story, too, is during this journey, you also lost your mother. So then stress, I mean, and grief went through
1: the roof. And I will say, and this is something again, four-ish years later, I love to say, like, Autism isn't our life. It's a part of our life, but it's not our life. And sometimes it's more prominent than others. But it wasn't until my mom died where it like hit me dab in the face. Like you like live, breathe it because you wanted what was best for Nolan. But like autism was my life. And then my mom died. And I'm like, we were missing therapy appointments. And I'm like, holy shit. So I just I encourage you to, again, stay realistic. Like autism is here from here on out. Make sure it doesn't become your entire life. And again, I know that some situations are more stressful than others, but it takes a lot of discipline and and therapy and listening to professionals. And thankfully, my therapist that I've had now for almost two years that I finally went to after I lost my mom, because I'm like... My whole world has like, come crashing down. How do I do this? And so she's just been really helpful with helping me navigate little things that pop up with Nolan, and she's really helped me uncover, like, sometimes people are just providing you with information about maybe his day, just information. They're not asking you to fix things, they're not asking for this big, long reply. Like, people are on your team, too, and they're just communicating, and so. Yeah. yeah. Autism was my whole life and it wasn't until my mom died where I'm like, okay, yeah. actually it has to just be a part of my life.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And it can become all consuming. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head is don't forget about yourself and your own journey and you're going to have other stressors and you went to therapy and we've talked about this. Your therapist is amazing. Unbelievable. So, yeah. She's so good. <laughs> Sometimes it is hard to find someone that understands autism and understands your world. Chelsea just found this woman who was like a beautiful blend of it all. But that's also, I will say, one of the reasons I started like my group coaching program is you deserve to feel seen, heard, and supported through this. And some of that process is getting answers about your kids. Like the conversation Chelsea and I had at the beginning of this of like, how do you talk with your, your other children about autism, for example. Seeking advice, all of that, love doing that. But then let's provide some space for you to be human, yeah. for you to go through these these emotions. And I didn't get an opportunity to say this earlier, but you were describing it. I think two of the most common emotions we haven't named that I see are guilt and shame. Oh, yeah. Oh, shame, yeah. I'm not doing enough. And then guilt, how, to, how can I be doing more? And those seem to be attached to this autism journey, but also giving yourself space to process those, to work through those, you're going to come out on the other side of that too. Yep. 100%. Yeah. So we talked a lot about the heavy emotions of this. Let's kind of shift to your healing journey and where things have evolved to
1: today. Oh, goodness. I know I'm asking you to summarize four years in like (laughs) a few (laughs) minutes. I mean, I've gone from the mom that shared a post about her son getting a diagnosis and will he like be able to play baseball and like how will this look to rolling with a punches and not overlooking the smaller wins, the being able to walk to the bus stop without holding on tight to his hand. And I think that that's one thing that I just also want to remind you is it's really, really easy to overlook those wins, those small wins and focus more on like what you're not doing enough of or what you're not seeing enough improvements with and oh, all this energy and effort, like what's it for? And I feel like leaning into gratitude and treating Nolan as him and his journey and like not getting distracted by all these things even acts like you just have to remember who this is truly about at the end of the day and for Nolan he's in first grade now and in kindergarten gen ed, he was kind of forgotten about and he didn't have his own desk in his gen ed class. And I don't blame anyone now. I, and in the moment of time, I'm like, I will stab some. Not Kelly. really, but like what the yeah. hell? That mama there wants to come yeah. out. And now he, his first grade gen ed teacher, we've been like blessed with the best this year. She has a son that has Down syndrome. And so it's just. I feel like I'm a part of the team a little bit more and I'm able to come in and just say, at the end of the day, we have the IEP and he's supposed to be pushing into here and there and all these minutes. And like, I just want him to be happy and thriving and whatever that looks like today. If it's not in gen ed or if it is in PE, like I just want to make sure that he's happy and healthy. Whereas before I'm just like, we got to do it. He deserves it. And it's like, he just loves what he loves, you know? So putting my want a little lower and being more realistic with truly what no one wants and needs.
0: Yeah. And those, we call them small wins, but they are huge wins in your world. Giving them the space. And sometimes too, it's comparison with other same age kids. Like, well, they can walk to the bus without holding our hand. And oh yeah that's that's huge we're gonna talk about a little bit at the end of this her social media and what she shares but one of the things like I love your daily bus box like I watch your stories all the time those are huge huge moments and I just also want to point out as you were getting emotional is the emotions are still really raw and real and if the goal is not to move forward From the emotions. You get better at learning how to cope and navigate them. And there's going to be seasons of life. But this is a really real part of this journey. And I just commend you. I mean, you really are good at letting them out and letting yourself feel. And I think that's been a huge part of your transformation as well.
1: Because when I did not and I was like, chucking everything in the bucket bucket, excuse my language, and like, Powering through, my body stopped working on me. And like, it's a real thing. If you don't allow things to flow and you don't process and like that will happen and it makes it a lot harder. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You saw the
0: physical manifestations of emotional suppression and just pushing everything down and eventually the body does shut down.
1: And I've had a couple breakthrough moments too, working through the emotions and like, oh, that makes more sense now where like your body, like you feel like you ran a marathon. never ran a marathon, but like you, your body truly releases. And so, yeah, it's been a process for sure. Yeah. yeah. So Chelsea, I'd love to move to the social media side of things and touch on that
0: before we wrap up. But before we go there. Anything about this emotional journey or anything on your heart that you want to make sure
1: that you get to share and that other
0: parents here?
1: Yes, I would say don't count anything out. Like I have a bracelet that I wear that says yet. And I love to abide by that. Like the power of yet. Like Nolan doesn't conversate yet, you know? And so just words are so powerful, our thoughts powerful, like those things become our reality and what you focus on expands. And so I have found that the content I consume on social media, the autism moms that I interact with, it's impactful from A to Z. And it's good to get little bits from here and there but it's okay if someone doesn't serve you or something doesn't serve you if you join an autism mom community and you're like I can't have this anymore like there's just there's going to be different groups and different people that you encounter along the journey that are going to serve a purpose and serve you and help you and then there's going to be others that maybe they've served me or And they don't do it for you. So I just, I encourage you to not get too wrapped up in like. again, I'm a big social media person. And I I met some of my most best friends, autism moms, on social media. But I've also, a lot have provided perspective about, like, how I don't want to have the victim mindset and how autism is not going to keep us from vacations. And... I work really hard, so when we go to Disneyland, we can fly first class because it's less stressful for everyone. Like, yeah, I, I think that's one of the biggest things, just not giving up and not, not thinking autism is going to keep you. Nolan's playing t-ball this year. Like, Nolan is going to play baseball. So is he going to love it? I don't know. Is he going to say, oh, shit, out loud? Probably. Like, <laughs> we're just going to roll with the punches. And if he ends up hating it, okay, at least we tried, but you won't know unless you try. Oh, so, so beautiful. I, I love that
0: so much. And yeah, find those people, find those things that, that serve you in this journey. And it's okay too, if it serves you for a short period and then it doesn't anymore. But I just, I love those words of advice so, so much. So Perfect transition talking about social media. But also, you said, I work hard to be able to provide the ability to fly first class. So let's talk about before we wrap this up, you sharing on social media, sharing your life, but also sharing your autism journey. And then I'd also loved you to touch on how you empower other women. But you have told me in the past, you particularly love empowering autism moms through their fitness and nutrition and all of that. So tell us about that. So
1: social media is so fun for me. I love to share. And I think that while I come on to share my journey and what works for me, I also think it's reciprocated as well. It has connected me to people like Tay, other women who share tips and tricks here and there. And I think At the end of the day, a lot of people like to put a spin on how negative and time consuming and blah, 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 blah. And it's not, it's you control what you consume. And so my mission is to help other women, particularly special needs moms. I'm not going to like beg people, but like, I want to encourage them that, yeah, this takes a little bit more and mom life is hard, but like special needs mom life is fucking hard. It's going to take a little bit more and your journey may look a little bit different, but it's possible. And with mindset shifts and treating every day as an opportunity, because if you forget about yourself and again, autism is like at the number one at all times, I promise you it's going to be harder than scheduling 15 minutes of time in the morning for yourself to like sit in quiet or working out. And so I just, I love to lean into my Instagram to show that my life is hard and I don't like to use that hard word, but like you get to choose to either be a victim or a victor and having in this life that's great is easy. So like pick your hard. Yeah. We could go
0: off about the whole victim mindset versus Victor mindset. Maybe I'll have to do an episode on that because (laughs) it's so, so important. But what I love too is you have made yourself a priority. You've made your own personal growth journey a priority in this. And then you empower other women to do that same thing. But working with special needs moms, it's not you from your high horse being like, you just got to carve out 30 minutes. No. Like you know what this is like. You've lived the experience. So that means you, you know how to support other women in doing
1: this. love the mantra. And I, I, it hasn't always been this way because I grit and just power through and like you can do it and sacrifice. And I love to encourage my women to operate with the power couple grit and grace. And some days you're going to have to give yourself more grace, but also like, let's dig deep because we do hard things and we got to operate with great and grace. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So what I'll do, I'll link Chelsea's Instagram account, go connect with her, go follow. You can learn too more about the community that she has, where she is empowering women through personal development, like I said, fitness, nutrition, and creating this space for you as a human, which is so, so important. And I think, honestly, in this field of autism, not talked about enough, it's like, what do you do for your child? But I hope you are inspired oh today gosh, Yes, by Chelsea's <laughs> story. But yes, it started there, but it's evolved to, you said it so well, autism isn't our world. It is part of our world. And that provides space for you too, as a human, Chelsea. And I think that's so, so incredible.
1: Thank you. Yeah. And if you follow me and you have questions, I'm here to meet you where you're at. If it's AAC talk or if it's like, oh my gosh, I lost my mom too. Or like, I just, on my social media, what to expect. I don't just talk about autism because again, that's not my whole world. So I show real life. raw, authentic. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny. As I was doing the introduction today, I was like, do I refer to her as an autism mom?
0: Because we've had this conversation. You know, that it's not your entire identity. There's so many other facets of you.
1: But it is also part of your identity. I feel like I went through a little bit of a phase where autism talk doesn't always just roll off my tongue. And again, the whole kind of theme of this is like the emotions tied and attached to it. And for a while, it was hard for me to really talk about autism. And so many other autism moms are like, You make such a difference. You make such an impact. Non-autism people, thank you for sharing. Now I understand the mom at the grocery store with the eight-year-old that's not just being a little asshole rolling on the ground. Like, I understand what that could be. And I I had encouragement where they're like, you need to just turn into an autism account. And I was like, I'm so flattered. But I, again, I can't do that because it's not my whole world.
0: Yep. Space for you.
1: Well, thank you so much for just
0: so fun, incredible conversations. Chelsea is in the Evolve Facebook community. So if you have questions for her, feel free to come join facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Evolve Autism and she can respond. You also can connect with her on her social media. So that's a wrap for this week's episode of Evolve with Dr. Tay. Thank you for listening. If you find yourself listening to these episodes and finding value, come join the Evolve Facebook group. Each week, I record podcast episodes live in that community and host a Q&A after each episode. You get access to engage with me, plus you can connect with other like-minded autism parents. It is a community designed for you to feel seen, heard, and supported as a parent of an autistic child and introduces you to my whole family approach. The group is linked in the show notes. I will be back next week with another real conversation about all things autism and your family life be sure to hit the plus or follow button in the podcast platform that you are listening to right now. This will notify you when the next episode is live. Catch you all later.